So what's up? Um, nothing much. Um, I'm, I'm getting over the adrenaline rush of shaving my head today. Nice. Yeah, you uh-huh. shaved your head today. Fuck yeah. It's, it's fuzzy like a peach, and it's all gone. I've missed that feeling. I've kind of thought about that, like, doing that every once in a while. But also, like, I don't feel comfortable enough in my, the rest of my body gender, like, doing enough to gender me properly to strangers. Yeah. And, like, I shouldn't worry about that, but also I still do. I mean, maybe there'll be there'll be time for that, you know? Yeah. Like, you've got your yeah. whole life ahead of you. You might as well mm-hmm. get more comfortable first, and then maybe you can revisit it. There is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is. So much time. But I, I would recommend it. You should, um, you, listener, you specifically, you should shave your head. Yeah, shave, just fucking shave your head. You should do shave it. your head. Oh, I do have to get a haircut next week, and I'm probably not going to shave my head, but I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time. You're valid. <laughs> oh, how's the uh, how's the weather been over in uh, rainy old Seattle? It sure has been rainy. It's been, like, really muggy and, like, almost no sunlight. We kind of got some of it today, but, like, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting on the beginning of smoke season anyway, so it's mm-hmm. like... I'll take yeah. what I can get for now. Uh, the weather has been... Not to talk about the weather uh-huh. on a podcast, sorry. It's just... It's been, like, fucking swimming over here. But last night, at about, like, 8, 8.30, the sky was, like, so fucking weird. Like, I stepped outside, and there was such, like, a green tinge to everything. Oh, I know what like you're I, talking about. It felt like I was in the Matrix. It feels completely unreal when it's, like... It does. Uh-huh. Ugh. Anyways, I thought that I, it was it was pretty cool. I believe you. Nice. You <laughs> want to do a podcast now? Uh, we sure should probably do a podcast now, shouldn't we? We should. It sure is. Is that anything? It might be something. All I right. haven't seen Wolverine, to be honest with you, but I do know the gist of it. I mean, I I don't know. Is there a movie called Wolverine? Isn't there? Yes. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes, uh-huh. I meant like Wolverine the superhero, not like Wolverine the movie of X-Men Origins, but I guess like kind of part and parcel, I guess. Anyways, uh... It's me, Sarah, and joining me this week is, uh, Sue, is this your first time on the podcast? Yes, it is. First time guest, Sue. Hello. Uh, and Sue, everyone who gets on the podcast for the first time, we just have them tell a little bit of, like, backstory about themselves, like, uh, you know, who you are, when you started watching horror movies, what your favorite, like, horror movie subgenre is. So, I'm really not that big of a horror movie person, like, Mm -hmm. 
I'm one of those people who, like, if there's enough jump scares, then, like, the displeasure I feel from the jump scares far outweighs the enjoyment I get from most of the rest of the movie. But I'm not, like, you know, opposed to horror itself. I, I just tend to seek out more, like, like, horror comics and stuff like that. That's the kind of thing I gravitate toward. And I seem to gravitate toward, like, psychological horror over maybe, like you know, gore for the sake of it, and stuff like that. So that's what kind of draws me to the movie we chose to talk about today, um, because I have so much experience with its corresponding comics. Yeah, cool. Um, we're not going to get into that just yet, because we have to talk about UpcomingHorrorMovies.com, by which I mean there's nothing that interesting on the front page of UpcomingHorrorMovies.com, so instead I'm going to talk about Midsummer, which I saw. Oh yeah, I, I like... I ended up reading the synopsis on it because I, I know I'm probably not going to see it, but, like, I'm curious about its whole deal. Yeah. So, I might try and rope Blair into doing just, like, a bonus episode where we just kind of, like, talk about the movie for a little bit. Um, and You know, and on screen, which we haven't done in a while, but I just want to kind of want to talk about it a little bit because um, I liked it a lot. Uh, did you see Hereditary? I did not. Okay. Um, Hereditary was extremely... Um, I hesitate to use the word traumatic. That's what a lot of other people have said about it. Yeah. Like, that's definitely... I feel like it's definitely apt. Uh, And the thing is, like, walking out of that theater, I kind of felt like I was exhaling for the rest of the week. And, like, I I liked that movie a lot. I might go so far as to say as I loved that movie. That might have been, like, my top three movies from last year. It also is a movie that I don't know if I ever want to revisit in my life. Yeah, that was another one I had to, like, read a synopsis for first, and... Yeah. I I had to pass, but I do understand, like, why it's good. But, um, I bring that up because, um, I was kind of a little bit worried about Midsummer going into it. Like, I was excited, like, I was excited to experience that again because I had never felt that from a movie, but, like, also kind of dreading it because it was just genuinely, like, such a heavy feeling. And I was very pleasantly surprised when I walked out of Midsummer feeling slightly refreshed which was odd um it was really funny which i was not expecting like genuine belly laughs from a lot of the jokes in that movie um the cinematography was incredible uh ari aster there are a couple of problems that i have with it um ari aster kind of returns to the well on the uh qu- like the 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 visible the visibly disabled child as a source of horror mm. uh returns to that well and I, like, I know that's a very common trope in horror movies, but, like, I kind of wish it, I kind of wish that, like, Ari Aster does so much else that's good, and I just kind of wish that he would realize, oh, that's kind of shitty. I think there's a good way to look at disability through horror, but not in the way that most, you know, able-bodied people choose to do it, that's for sure. Yeah, 100%. Um, I feel like there was a, I haven't had a chance to seek it out yet, but uh, there was a movie... Uh, no, scrap that. I'm thinking of a, I'm thinking of a completely wrong thing that's not even germane to the topic. Never mind. Fair enough. Um, but overall, I very much liked it. Uh, it was genuinely just very, like, if nothing else, I really enjoyed looking at it. Uh, that's one of the, you know, I've mostly just gotten, like, advertisements and I watched, like, a couple of clips and stuff. And one of the mm-hmm. things that really strikes me about this movie and that I, I might you know, take the leap to go see it just because of this is it doesn't look like a horror movie. 
No, it takes place almost entirely in daylight, which is... And it's, it's like, flowery, and it's all yes. very aesthetic. Yes, extremely. Um, but, you know, uh, just a content warning for uh, suicide and gore in that movie. Yeah. Uh, for Just for anyone who may be... Uh, it's, and also, like, it's one of the most sexually explicit movies that I've ever seen. Uh, Ari Aster did an AMA on Reddit yesterday at the time of this recording, and uh, uh, he said that uh, for about six weeks during production, it was rated NC-17, and he had to fight tooth and nail to get it scaled down to an R rating. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's right on the verge. You do see someone's, like, you do see a dude's just, like, whole-ass dong. All right. <laughs> it's a choice. <laughs> yeah. You don't get, like, a close-up of it or anything. It's just, like, he's running around with, he's running around, like, dicky out at one point. It's, like, wide shots, but you do very much see his penis. You know what? Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I hope he got paid for that. Uh, I mean, I would assume so. <laughs> Or do you mean he got paid extra for Dickie out? I feel like you need to get paid extra for Dickie out. Like, if you're going to do it, then you should probably get paid for it. Unless there's, like, a writer in his contract that says, like, I'm only going to let myself be in this movie if I can be Dickie out. That's true. Hmm. Really makes you think. Yeah, gotta, you got you to gotta ask who's on the, who's on, who was, de- who was demanding that this man go Dickie out? Was who, it this man? Who benefits from Dickie out? Yeah, but there was... Yeah, it was really good cinnamon topography, and um, a thing that I noticed also a lot, which I feel like I don't normally notice in movies, is the staging in this. Like, like I, I don't know if that's the right word. Blocking, blocking. Sorry, it's been a while since I've been on, it's, it's since, since I've been in a fucking play. You're good. Um, but, like, there is, like, some really interesting blocking in it that I really like that is cool as fuck. Maybe I'll check it out then. I, I rarely go to see movies in theater anymore, but maybe this will be worth it. Yeah, I think that this is a good one to watch on the big screen if you are not, like, you know, triggered by those things. Is there, like, jump scares? Is it one of those? Not really, to my recollection. There are a couple then maybe of, I like, will. There are a couple of, like, moments where, like, it cuts suddenly mm-hmm. to, like, just, but it's just, like, an innocuous thing cutting to another innocuous thing. Oh, and well, that, it's a that bit... I can't. I can do that. Yeah, it's just accompanied by a loud noise sometimes, and it caught me a little bit off guard. There was, like, one, there was, like, maybe one time I got sort of jump scared, but it's very, very minor. I mean, as long as it's actually, like, serving the plot and not just there to be there, yeah. then, you know, that's yeah. a whole other, a whole other deal. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, Midsummer by Ari Aster. Look for the episode forthcoming. Maybe I don't uh-huh. know. I'd like to talk. To, I'd like to do an episode on it. But that's not the movie that we watched this week because this week we watched Tomie. Tomie. Tomie beginning. Yes. Tomie beginning. This is the the 2005 film, and it's the prequel to the 1998 Tomie film. Yeah. Um, and it's. Well, it sure is something, isn't it? Yep. I sure is something. Yeah, I I could have I could have gone with the 1998 Tomie and it probably would have been a better movie to watch, but I wanted to choose this one because I'm most familiar with the material that the stories in this one comes from. Like that was mm-hmm. the story that they play through in this movie is one of the first Tomie like comics that I read through. Um, you know, once upon a time. So I I just kind of thought it was interesting to look at it from from that end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um. So. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now. Sorry, I'm just finding it very funny because uh, the post, the, the post, the Wikipedia page has the poster for the movie, like most, like it does for most movies. And at the top, it says featuring Yoshiyuki Morishita of Kill Bill and The Grudge. And the three people, cre- none of the three people credited on the Wikipedia page are Yoshiyuki Morishita. Yeah, that is, that is something. You gotta like, wonder I'm what gonna, that I'm was. Gonna, I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at who that is. Yeah. Uh huh. Let me just it's look, possible let me just pull up that, the IMDb Tribune. Yeah, it's possible that they were involved and then were like, um, maybe don't put my name on this. Yeah. Let's see. Yoshiyuki Morishita. He is an actor who has been in Kill Bill, The Grudge, Ichi the Killer, and that's who the fuck was this person in this movie? I I don't know. He was someone named Takagi. Um. And I don't remember that character. I don't either. I have everybody. Oh, Takagi is the teacher. He's the teacher. Is he? Yeah. So so, what character did he play in in Kill Bill? Uh, in Kill Bill, he was um. That's my uh, only other see. reference point. Yeah, that's. Come on. Uh, Tokyo Businessman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well. He was just, he was just the Tokyo, he was in that movie, I guess. Yeah. I've, I've never seen Kill Bill. Is there a Tokyo Businessman? Uh, there are several, is the thing. <laughs> Who was he in The Grudge? He was a character named K-Bean. Is this, like, the original Grudge or American yeah, Grudge? Yeah, Juwon. Juwon, okay. The Grudge. And, uh, yeah, he is, like, he is, like, 10th build on that. That is a big, <laughs> that is a big thing to brag about. That's just, like, bragging about, like, okay, this guy was an extra, this guy was, this guy had a one line in Scott Pilgrim, and he was an extra in Cloverfield. You know what? It's more than I've done. You know what? We'll I say that. I, you know what? You're right. You know what? I apologize, Miss, I, I apologize, Mr. Morishita. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service, <laughs> Mr. Morishita. <laughs> so let's get into the let's get into this movie. It's a short one. It that was another reason that I kind of leaned toward it. It's a nice, nice little little bite. Of little this story. 80, little what is it? Seventy minutes. It should have ended about fifteen minutes earlier than that. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> we'll but, get there. How does this movie? This movie starts with a class reunion that is. It for starts some reason, t- with a shot of a man playing soccer. With a very deflated soccer ball. Uh-huh. To note. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It starts with a guy playing soccer with a very deflated ball, and then he goes inside a school building and walks into a classroom, the place where I mean, I don't know about Japanese high school reunions, but like. I feel like if my high school reunion took place in a classroom, that would be weird. It's even weirder you know? because this school is, like, completely defunct. Like, Yeah, like, it's like an abandoned school that they are holding their reunion in. Like, maybe, like, like a bootleg reunion. Like, maybe, like, the, sta- like the stag party of college... Of co- <laughs> the stag party of college reunions. Urban exploration... Not, 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 not uh, stag party. Urban exploration uh, class reunion, I guess. 
What's is, is stag party the thing like the 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 bachelor the the or yeah not, that's like know, a bachelor, bachelor party. What's the thing where it's uh, where you like don't go to prom because you're going to something else? I don't know if there's a name for that. I I went to one of those one of those schools where you actually went to prom. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Shrimp dressing. Shrimp dressing. Okay, I I was getting slightly confused because uh, going stag is the term used to refer to going to the prom alone. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's their class reunion, and it's only... Only two people show up. Yeah, only two people. Mm-hmm. And their names are... Um, Yamamoto is, is the guy, and he's... Mm -hmm. And he has an eye patch. Yes, he does now have an eye patch. And then the lady who comes in, who is in, like, a trench coat and covering her hair, is, mm -hmm. um, Matsubara Reiko. Yes. And then the rest of the movie from there... Well, most of the rest of the movie from there is just flashbacks to the time that they spent with the titular Tomie back in high school. Right. They, they have this really fun, dramatic shot of them sitting at their appropriate desks... And they point at one, and they're like, and she sat right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we flash back to the time Tomia gets introduced to school, and they're, it's just like, hi, my name is Tomie. I, I go to school here now. And then... And then as soon as she raises her head, there's this long shot of, like, the reaction of everyone in the class, and all of the men are super horny. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> And that's her introduction, I guess. Yes. Um, then is the next scene the one where the big tough guy who is never seen again is beating up the the the, the scrawny dude with the photo, with the camera? Yeah. So Inoue, who is the guy who has the camera, is getting beat up by Gondo, who's the, one of the Gondo. Big dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and he's beating him up because he wants the camera to develop a photograph that's on it that he took of Tomie. Well, the, the precedent at first is that he was taking these pictures secretly, which... Mm -hmm. And Gondo's like, that's fucked up, dude. Uh-huh. But... And then Gondo's like, but I also want to see it. Yeah, yeah. So, so they cut directly from being mean to this nerd kid to the, the room where you develop the photos. The dark room. Dark room, yes. Uh, and they are like, they just develop a photo and it's like, yeah, this is Tomie. And then Tomie walks in the back and is like, hi, everyone. What's hey, this photo of me? Hey, guys. When'd you take oh, that? This, this is a photo of me? That's fine. That happens all the time. Can I see, can I, can, can I have a cigarette though? Which this is a, this is a thing that I genuinely like. Like she asks like, can, uh, does anyone have a cigarette? And then one of the guys pulls out a pack of cigarettes and a lighter. And she's just like, thanks, but I don't smoke. It's bad for my skin. Uh -huh. And she just grabs the lighter and lights the camera or lights the photograph on fire. Um, which catches rather quickly despite... I mean, I don't know. I what, mean, it what is you... covered in, like, developer fluid. Uh, yeah, what is in that? I don't know the exact makeup, but I know it's very flammable. Okay, I was unaware of that. For some for some reason in my head, I just kind of thought that was water for a lot of my life. What she is doing here is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. But, um, I mean, very obviously, like, in, in real life, that thing was, like, that was just, like, sitting in water. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, because it takes a couple of minutes to, it takes like a couple of seconds to light, and then like, she like throws it back in the bin, which is far more dangerous. Uh-huh. Um, and then she's like, well, 
by boys and then they look at the photograph and they're like oh no because there's a ghost coming out of her head in the photograph that's Ooh. partly burnt it's spoopy yep and then do we have Reiko's first flashback scene um yeah so for some reason Reiko is just out walking and apparently it's nighttime. when you balking uh huh you're just having a, a nice walk in the woods at night mm-hmm. and then suddenly Tomie is there yeah, Tomie is there and is like, will you be my friend? And then she's, then Reiko doesn't say anything and Tomie is like, that happens. The women hate me. Uh-huh. I just, Everywhere I, I just, go, I am bullied. All of, all of the boys love me so much and it's just <laughs> such a burden. Everyone hates you. Everyone hates, <laughs> doctor, my doctor says that everyone hates me because I post correctly and I'm so good to look at. It's just really funny, too, because Reiko's like, uh-huh, yeah, they do. Everybody does yeah. hate you. Yeah. It's a very, um, it's a very uh, Miranda Lawson Mass Effect 2 thing where she is just, I feel like sometimes she just seems to be, like, complaining that, like, she's so perfect and everyone hates her for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, the movie little, does really little, make this scene you know, like that. You know, I said that out loud, and I realized I have very little sympathy for Mar- I had very little sympathy for Miranda Lawson's entire thing in Mass Effect 2. I have no idea if that was just, like, poorly written or if that was just internalized misogyny that I hadn't taken care of. It, it could be I, a little bit of both. Little like, bit of I, ha- I haven't played through much of Mass Effect, but from what I've experienced, it could be both. Some the writing is very good sometimes, except when it's not. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, fucking yeah. There's a really cool shot. Like one of like one of like the few good things I have to say about this movie is that there's like this really cool shot where like uh, uh, Tomie like uh, is like face to face with Reiko and like uh, pr- like leans in and puts her head on her shoulder. The and like, it's like it's the it's like a side shot of them like face to face. So they're both yeah. like. And, and uh, she put, Tomie puts her head, like, behind, like, on the shoulder that's on the behind, on Reiko's behind shoulder, like, the one, basically, Reiko's head is in front, and it's a really cool thing because, like, Tomie's face is very visibly different in the back once it goes around the other side, and right. I think it's really cool. And it's, like, slightly off sync, and, like, I think that may have been a production error because it, like, it feels like the face does not emerge at the same pace at which it went in. Like, no. it does it does not, like, emerge from behind her head at the same pace that it, like, past but i think that's like whether that was deliberate or not i think it like looks cool and is it was a little bit was genuinely a little bit unsettling and it's an it's an intimate shot too and i think that's really important in all of the interactions that reiko has with tomie i think because mm-hmm. like yeah going back to that shot at the beginning where <laughs> you know all the boys in class are very horny for mm-hmm. for her and all the girls are just like stone-faced reiko is the only other person who shows any sort of emotion like this actress this actress is not super emotive to begin with but yeah but you know it kind of it sets up the nature of like her i guess the word i'm going to use is attraction to tomie yeah i think that's a good, i think that's the right word it feels like attraction i mean yeah the if you if you look at the wikipedia article it talks about like overt lesbian overtones which is is generous but i i think the intent here is to imply that like reiko has some non-platonic feelings here and maybe that's the reason she's the only other girl who gets to interact with tomie like a normal person yeah because th- is this when the other girls show up and start like trying yeah, to bully tomie it's right after then... 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because one of the girls walks up and, like, is, like, being weird and territorial. Yeah. And so she slaps Tomie, and Tomie slaps her back visibly harder. And then it, they, they do that again where the girl sl- where the, the other girl slaps her Tomie again, and Tomie just, like, fucking... Like, just fucking home run slap across the face. Oh, it's really good. This whole thing is, like, the, the girl who, like comes up and has her lackeys with her. Her name is Natsu, and this is an argument over Tomie supposedly seducing her boyfriend Yoshino. Mm-hmm. So they're taking... Is that the glasses guy? Yeah, that's glasses guy. So they're glasses exchanging boy. some slaps here, and Tomie is just giving back whatever Natsu gives her, and it's very good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the crap. What Whatever you do, what anything you do is returned three three times back onto you. I mean, it's it seems only fair... She slaps her three times harder. Uh-huh. I don't know. It's, it's like, this is a weird scene because, like, Tomie is super haughty about this whole thing. It's, there's, there's no, there's no way you're meant to sympathize with her in this happening, even though she's, like, just described to you how she's bullied everywhere she goes. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's good. Uh-huh. I mean, it's definitely in. It's 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 proving that Tomie is, like, I mean, Tomie always was pr- already was pretty suspicious, but like this kind of cements her as like an unre- like just an unreliable source of information. Yeah. And I think that's I I think that's I think it's good sometimes. Sometimes, it's good. Sometimes, sometimes this movie is good, but not most of it. Uh-huh. I think most of it is kind of. No, it, it has these flashes of brilliance, though, and that's why I brought it to the table. Sometimes you find... Sometimes there's some gold in a turd. Yeah. Well, it feels harsh to call this, call this movie a turd. Yeah, I don't think this movie it's, is, it's... I don't think this movie is actively bad. I think it's... I think it's middling. Yeah. We can we can get to this, you know, later, but I, I think the budget was really what kind of did it in. But, yeah, um, this movie's budget is... And, like, yeah. I have definitely seen movies with less budget than this. I don't know what this movie's budget was, but, like, I can tell that this was, like... This was just on a low budget. But, like, I feel like I've seen movies with lower budgets that I have enjoyed more than this. And I feel like this is just, like... This is less of a budget... Like, it is their budget, but I just wonder if they, like, accommodated their budget properly. Yeah. You know? Like, like uh, if you watch, like, um... Uh, I, I, I always cite this movie because it's the one Nollywood film that I've seen, but uh, it's called Usafia in London. And that movie is like very visibly made on a shoestring budget and it does not suffer for it whatsoever. It's like genuinely hilarious and very refreshing. And yeah. just just free of, it's just jokes and it's like free of the irony poison that, has play, that is plaguing American comedies, I feel like. Lately. Yeah, I, I think we can, we can probably make a better point about this once we have gone over some of the parts where there's practical effects, because that's where yes. I think we can yes. get more into this. What's next? Because it, like, it like, we go back to the present and then they have more flashbacks. Now, um, I, I think we should cover that the, the point of this whole, you know, mean girl scene with Natsu. Yeah over Yoshino is that um, Reiko has to choose whether or not she's going to associate herself with Tomie. Mm -hmm. And she apparently makes the choice to, you know, stand by her despite not having a whole lot of reason to at this point. So, like, Mm -hmm. her motivations are, as of this point, unclear until we get into the waterfall scene. Yeah. So you want to... 
run us through that? Sure. So, um, the girls decide to go on a nature walk together. It's suddenly daytime again. Um, and they're going up this trail that has a nice little waterfall, and they're kind of talking to each other the whole time, and they get to a point in the waterfall where you can, you know, get your feet wet, jump in and experience it, and Tomie decides to do that. She's being... She's being very charming, and she's being almost what I would describe as flirty with Reiko. And Reiko is, you know, clearly happy to be there, and she thinks this is mostly very enduring or endearing with with Tomie. So, you know, yeah. this is this is as close to overt as you're going to get with the lesbian tones. The lesbianity. Yeah, the lesbianity, the lesbian factor, if you will. Yeah, and. Then the conversation takes this turn where Tomie's like, just so you know, like, I always get total revenge on all of the girls who bully me. This just comes out of basically nowhere, and she's just like, just so you know. It's like, all right. <laughs> yeah, just, just so you know, I'm fucked up and twisted. Uh-huh. But it is it is kind of it's kind of cute like there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of fun eye contact and it's it's I don't know this is this is what kind of drew me to, another thing that drew me to this movie for this podcast specifically is that there's some some fear baiting going on here. Tee hee, yes it is. Tee hee, tee hee. Which you know all. Maybe once we have wrapped up more of the plot here, talk a little bit more about why that matters with, with Tomie specifically, but... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what happens after the waterfall scene, though? Um, then it cuts to Natsu in the classroom, and she's talking to Yoshino, glasses guy. Yes, and yes. Yes. And he's waving he's her like, off. He's being an asshole. Yeah. And he starts... And then he's like, here, take a look inside this plastic bag. Uh-huh. Just... Out of almost nowhere, he starts, like, breathing super hard and heavy. Like, this is the most, I think... Not the most, but this is I, one of the instances of, like... I think it's the best like, scene in the movie. It's... He's very emotive, and he yes. takes risks that the other actors do not take in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. So, good on this guy. He's a he's a good horror actor. Um, so, yeah. he starts, like, vampire... Like, getting himself just hyped, and then he tries to suffocate her in this plastic bag, and it's, like... Very unnerving. <laughs> yeah, but then he's like, just kidding. And then Tomia comes in and, uh, 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 Tomia comes in and is like, hey, I'm fucking this guy now. You think this is a game? And then he gets on his knees and is just like, please, Miss Coochie? But not before, not before, um, Yoshino says to Natsu, like, you can just drop dead. And then she, like, kind of does. <laughs> She just, like, passes out at her desk. And I thought she yeah, was dead from, at first. Yeah, she definitely seems that way. But uh-huh. it's, just the, it's just the oxygen. She'll, she'll, get, she'll be fine. Yeah, and then after that, Yoshino um, asks for feet pics, basically. Yeah, asks for feet pics, yeah. Please let me see oh, those toes. Yes, please, miss. Please, just, just, just once. <laughs> it's bad. She, like, steps on his head. It's weird. Yeah, it's fine. Uh-huh, these are high schoolers. They're high schoolers. Uh-huh. And 
then the <sighs> scene directly after this is also very uncomfortable. This is the other time we see Gondo. What is he doing in this scene? I completely forgot. In this scene, he has, with his lackeys, tied up Natsu's friends. And they're like, it looks like they're on a bed in, like, the school's nurse hospital room. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. And there's the weird, like, budget porn music. It's really um, out of character for the rest of this movie. This never comes up again. There's almost no music in the movie. And then suddenly there's this, like funky piano yeah and and you know it's weird like they have these girls tied up and it's and they're surrounded by these big intimidating guys and it sure has a connotation here but um yeah it's not the particular it, direction it, it chooses to go in which is a relief to me yeah i very much i very much liked i i very much liked to see it when they did not do the thing yeah instead um tomie comes into the room and this is the only time in the movie where she's not in her school uniform. She's in this, like, I would call it gothic Lolita kind of get up. And she's making yeah, tea. Yeah, that's about right. She's making tea for her friends, who she loves very for much. Natsu. Yeah. Yeah. She wants to give Natsu some tea. And Natsu needs some nice chamomile tea so she can log off. God, I wish I could log off. <laughs> oh, if, if only it was so easy. <laughs> No, in- instead of instead of chamomile tea, she decides that uh, cockroach tea is is really what these girls need. So there's a shot of this like rubber ass like cockroach in a teacup, and she's like trying to forcibly um, give it to one of the girls, and it's like spilling all over her face, and it's just this this rubber roach. Uh huh. It's very good. Yeah, it's it's great. I love to see a pr- I love to see a pr- I love to see a practical. Uh huh, and and you know you can't have tea without having a having some sweets. So um, she brings out some what are clearly candied superworms. Yes. Like these are the things I feed to my lizard on occasion, without yes. the candy, you're, obviously. Your one, your wonderful lizard Tupac. My wonderful boy Tupac, who I love, and <laughs> she like takes a bite of one herself, Can which you is me, only when, fair. You, when I'm. When you uh, can you give me a a, a a really good photo of Pac that I can po- that we can post in the episode description? Oh, I can absolutely do that. Yeah, perfect. My my good boy Tupac. Um, uh, what were you saying? Oh, I was. Sorry, t- I, that's okay. I was talking about those um, those fun bugs that ones? she's yeah. Which it's only fair that if she's gonna like force them to eat them, she's gonna try them herself too. So you know, yeah. no harm, no foul them, here. She finds them slimy yet satisfying. Uh huh. Tasty. Just like the Lion King. Uh huh. And that's... Can we talk about the Lion King for a short while. Oh, uh, we could. We certainly could. I am just. It just looks so bad. The, the new movie is. Like, it, like... I don't really. Like I like the original. I like the original. I do not hold. I do not have any like, like extreme reverence for it. Like I feel like uh, some people my age do. Uh-huh. I don't begrudge those people. I just don't have that myself. But like, it's just disappointing. That movie was so colorful, and now it just looks. And now it just looks like a fucking two thousand eight ass like video game. It's just so brown. I mean. My whole thing with this is it was, I think it was only intended to, you know, make back whatever money they spent on making it and to extend their 
um, their copyright on that material for as long as possible because this this gives yeah. them another you know several decades with mm-hmm. this concept. One of this this movie comes out next weekend. Okay, I thought that was out, I thought it was out this weekend, but not until next. Will be not. It cost two hundred fifty million dollars to make that movie. By the way, it's going to be really interesting to see if it actually makes that back. Oh, I mean, I don't see. I don't know that there is a world where it doesn't. Like, it's the Lion King. People are going to see it on name recognition alone. Yeah. A lot of the people who's a lot of the people who saw Lion King as a kid are now of the age where they would have children who they want to show the Lion King to as well. And, like, they're going to be like, oh, Lion King 3D animated. It's good. Ugh. And I love and I love to see it. I'm just already exhausted by the idea. Me There's a new too. Disney movie literally every month now. It's like... yeah. Whatever, Seth Rogen man. has Seth, Seth Rogen got second billing on the Wikipedia page. That's how you know a movie is good. Like it goes, <laughs> it goes. Donald Glover as Simba. I guess technically they also have like an in, in like a, a, an indent for like J D. McCrary as young Simba, and then Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Okay. And then and then um oh my god I'm going to butcher this name uh Chuatel Ejiofor. Is that right? I honestly don't know. I'm not the person to ask, unfortunately. Pronounced. Let's just let's just look at a quick video. Okay. Yes. Um. It it goes it goes Donald Glover, J D. McCrary is young Simba, Seth Rogen is Pumbaa, Chiwet- oh, Sorry, God. Chiwetel Ejiofor as Scar, and then Alfred Woodard is Sarabi. Okay. Like, what is the ordering on these credits, Wikipedia? Like, this is just making no sense. How 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 is James Earl Jones as Mufasa like the anchor on this thing? Who even knows? Man, they changed the they changed the uh they changed they changed Ed's name too. The they the did? hyena. Why? Yeah. His name is now Azizi. Okay. And then they changed Bonsai to Kamari. Whatever, man. And they made I'm them so not tired. Funny. They made those hyenas not funny. What is like, the point? Do you know who is the voice of those hyenas? I do not. It's, it's Florence Kasumba, which is a name I don't recognize, I'll admit. But the other two are er- Key and Michael Key and Eric Andre. And you're not gonna make those characters. You're, you're casting them, and they are. You're trying to, and you make those hyenas scary. Oh. Well, I'm. Eric. Eric Andre. Yeah. I. Um. All right. That's fine. Yeah. It's. It's normal. Normal world. Anyways, uh-huh. we talked about the Lion King for five minutes. Yeah, we did. Uh, um, what, what well, were hold we... on. Before, before we move on, what is the next uh, 2D animated classic that Disney is going to announce? I mean, I know we are. I know we. Already, I know we already had the Little Mermaid on the horizon. They're going to do like, one of what's... the racist ones next, probably. Mm, oh, good! Finally, a 3D. Finally, a 3D version of Song of the South. Uh-huh. Looking forward to that. With the three amigos. Oh God, I, 
I'm I really like so far none of the movies they've like done live action remakes of are ones that I watched as a kid. Right. Or no, and that's not that's that's not correct. Um, rather one not none that like came out when I was like old enough to remember them. Yeah. And I'm really excited for when they do the 3D the the, the live action remake of of the Emperor's New Groove, which is like. That is, like, the first Disney movie that I, like, remember coming out. Oh, if they fuck that up, I'm gonna... They will. <sighs> There's no if. Like, when, what of these, what of these, of these quote-unquote live-action remakes, and I say live-action, even though I know the Lion King one is all three, is all CGI, I digress. I'm normally more pedantic than this, but I just want to make sure I don't get ats. It sounds um, like there's hope for the Mulan movie. Oh, God, that's right. I keep forgetting that that one's happening, too. Yeah, it sounds like there's some hope for God. that. Can they slow down? No. How, there are so many. They absolutely have to keep making money until they are the only people who have money. Fuck you. Uh, I'm so tired. Uh-huh. Capitalism has been really good for the arts, as you can tell. Yeah. God, that the cast in that Lion King movie is so fucking good, and I'm so sad it's, like... I'm so sad it's being wasted. Why would you bother paying for that kind of star power without actually even using it? Like, it's just unreal. Uh-huh. Like, this cast is just... I mean, Donald Glover, Seth Rogen, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Alfred Woodard, Billy Eichner, John Candy, John Oliver, Beyonce. Beyonce is, like, second to last on the Wikipedia billing, which is what? wild. James Earl Jones. Yeah, she's she's not a lie, isn't she? You would think that if you want to get asses in seats, you would really lean on the fact that Beyonce is in your movie. Yeah. Yeah. This is baffling. Yeah. Like, maybe it's just, it's just Wikipedia, but is this, like, this can't be how they're advertising this film. Okay, okay. We need to get back to Tommy. <laughs> we probably should get back to Tommy, eh? So, yeah, okay. we just so had our, our super warm party... And now yes. we're we're at the part where everybody knows not to fuck with Tomie anymore. Yeah, no one no one fuck with Tomie. And then there's ninjas. Yeah, suddenly there's ninjas. Just hard cut to a scene of the girls running through a field, hot pursuit of um, I don't know three guys in costumes. Yeah. It's really weird. The ninja costumes, uh -huh. yeah. And and one of the first lines in this scene is like, "What's with the costumes?" Yeah. And it's this like goofy ass high school guy shit that would totally happen. So I do enjoy that, but. Yeah, and then they cut off Tomie's ear. Uh huh. They sure do. They they take some swings because they're going to three. They really want to free themselves from Tomie's thrall, which I think is interesting and very different from a lot of like you know, seductor horrors is that most of the people in the situation are at least kind of self-aware. Um, yeah. But they're, they're trying to end Tomie, and they get about as far as cutting her ear off. Yeah, and then they they get revealed for who they are, and they run off scared, right? Well, Inoue gets revealed. Because, Inoue, yeah, yeah, she suggests. Yeah, because for some reason, they can just tell who that is. And then the, the ear... The ear does does that thing. Yeah, it, it grows legs and runs away. Yeah, it it sure does, doesn't it? 
Yeah, it just, it's, but it's fine. It, this is where we can start talking about, like, the practical effects in this movie, because they clearly haven't, like, spent much on this prosthetic, but um, it does, it, it does look, you know, stringy and kind of like that, the, the stretchy body horror that Junji Ito does, like, in the comic, but it sure just scuttles across the floor and disappears. Has there been a good adaptation of any of Junji Ito's work? Um, the the anime that came out recently, I think they did a good job with that. They did a lot of really. I thought I, I thought I heard a lot of like negative review. I thought I heard a lot of negative, not a lot of negativity around. That. Well, it really depends on the episode. So I think mm. what people didn't like about it is, um, they only really chose stories that would translate well into anime. In my opinion, uh-huh. by and large. But um, they just they did a lot of different stories, and some of the stories are are better than others, I would say. Yeah. But you know, I I think a lot of Ito's best work is in his short stories, so I was satisfied with it. Have you watched uh Have you watched any uh what is it? It's like Yamashibai. I know what you're talking about. I don't think I've gotten it's, to it yet. It's I I haven't watched enough of it. It's just really good. Uh, super short, um, it, it's just really good, like, four or five minute uh, episodes huh. of, the, the, and they're just, like, short stories, short horror stories. Yeah, Yami Shibai, Japanese ghost stories. Okay, good to know. I, I, I might there's have like, seen... There's like, there's, like, seven seasons of it. Okay. And the animation style is really interesting, and I like it a lot. Yeah. That sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. It's good shit. Yeah. But, um... This is, with the ear thing, one of the scenes that I think kind of ends up undermining what's scary about this story. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. I just wasn't very satisfied with seeing the, the ear kind of scuttle away, and that's, like, about as much as... You don't get much of a reaction out of it, and yeah. that's confusing to me. Yeah. It just kind of happens. It's... Yeah, yeah. It just kind of does very much happen. And uh, uh, I keep forgetting the name. Reiko? Yeah. Reiko is just like, oh, that's weird. Uh-huh. Boy, that sure happened. Maybe I better invite this person whose ear just um, spontaneously grew things and, and scuttled off. Maybe I should hide her in my bedroom. Yeah. That seems like the way to handle this situation. So, yeah. We get to the scene where... You know, Reiko is hiding her in her room, and she's about to go in and change, like, her super bloodied up bandage. Uh, They spent a lot Mm -hmm. on food coloring, I think, in their shoestring budget. Um, Yeah. And as soon as she does, she discovers that uh, Tomie's ear has has grown back. And and the whole time that Reiko is processing that, Tomie is giving this speech about how she's, you know, all alone wherever she goes, and she relies on herself because she's learned that she can't rely on others because they're just gonna hurt her and it is like yeah okay uh-huh yeah i don't know i uh, there's th- this scene this scene exists in the comics and it felt a whole lot more like meaningful when you had some reason to to feel like um tomie actually has feelings about this like yeah. that's one of the things that i think is missing between the comic and the movie is like the comic kind of convinces you that tomie does have like 
self-awareness, real feelings about, you know, the situation where she's, you know, hurt over and over and over again for things she can't control. But yeah. the movie repeatedly undermines that. And this is uh-huh. one of the places where it does that, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But um, it cuts to Reiko falling asleep um, in the same bed that Tomie was, was just in. No explanation I, about where Tomie went. I'm, I'm stealing this descript. I'm stealing this like entire line of thinking from Jurgenitz. Uh-huh. But this genuinely feels like this movie got passed back and forth between two directors who thought, both of which thought, both of whom thought the other was just a complete fucking idiot. Well, one of my one of my theories about this is that the person who directed it and the person who cut it are not the same person, and probably have so, very and probably have very different ideas, and we're just kind of working with whatever the director gave them. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and that's probably more evident at the end. Yes. Um, God, the end of this movie is a lot. Uh, it is. But but for now, we have Reiko, you know, jolt out of this dream where Tomie is, like, dressed in a kimono in a dark hallway, and she's holding this big old um, traditional Japanese, like, ball thing called the Tamari. And she suddenly uh-huh. rushes forward, and the Tamari turns, like, into... It's hard to tell that this is what it is, but it's her own head. And all you yeah. really see is, like, her hair. But she rapidly approaches holding her hair, and it's supposed to be very scary. And um... and then Reiko like, Reiko, like, sits up from a dream as though she had, like, just kind of woken up and not, like, been jolted awake by a nightmare. No, not, <laughs> no. Um, feelings? We don't have those here in this, mo- no. in this movie. But... Emotions are not necessary. No. They tried really hard to keep this film as solemn as possible, and it sure didn't work. <laughs> but um, after after Reiko wakes up, all of the blood of Tomie's bandage and her abandoned school uniform starts to just kind of rise and fall, and suddenly there's hair cascading out, and then suddenly there's this hand that's grabbing up all the clothing and everything that's there, and it, you know, crick crackles and reforms into an entirely new Tomie. Tomie 2. Tomie 2. <laughs> so we can count two existing Tomies in this particular yep. timeline at the moment. Two of them. Two of them. You get two. Yeah. Um and then what how what happens in between that and like them like dismantling Tomie? Um so between that there's that really uncomfortable scene it just this scene cuts directly into the super uncomfortable scene where Tomie is underneath um a ping pong table and yes Takagi Zensei their teacher is laying on top of the pool table there's no explanation for this they're on the school roof um, uh-huh. They're just they, and they both have ping pong paddles uh-huh. in hand. And and Tomie crawls up from under the table and she's like peeking over it, and mm-hmm. she's like engaged in trying to seduce this teacher who comes out looking a lot better in the movie than he does in the comics, because he like yeah. says you know I don't want you I have a wife and child and you're a child and um, she's trying very hard to seduce him and he is like. Um, you know, he's very clearly under the thrall, but he is fighting against it as hard as he can. And he doesn't fight that hard in the comics, I would say, but he does, you know, have 
some awareness of the horror of the situation. Um, so there's that scene. Um, Yamamoto walks in on it and tries to, like, beat up the teacher, and it's weird. There's not a lot to say about this. Yeah. Um, and then straight from that, they cut to what is supposed to be a scene while they're on a school trip. The, the comic does a way better um, job of clarifying the context for all these scenes. Um, but they're on a school mm-hmm. trip, and they're in the mountains, and Yamamoto has just pushed Tomie off of a cliff. Because he is so enamored by her that he can't handle it. And this is as good of a place to mention it as any, I guess. But in the comic, it's kind of implied that Yamamoto is not interested in women in any other situation. Like, um, pairing him with Reiko is kind of, you know, it's not going to be overt, but it's kind of like you know, the two gay people in this situation. Yeah. And the, the old double beard. Well, and, and it's very important that they're gay when you start to think about how Tomie's thrall works. And the comic yeah. makes the thrall on um, Yamamoto really complicated because he has no interest in women to begin with. So part of his horror is just that he is being forced to have this attraction to begin with. And this movie does yeah. not talk about it at all uh-huh. um but yeah, he he murders the primary tomie and um or what you know we think is the primary tomie at least and yeah. the class's reaction to this is of course really weird like the the girls that were trying to bully her before are very happy about it they're like already laughing and nobody is sure what to do and Reiko has this moment with her while she's, like, dying on the ground, and she's, like, describing what it's like to die, uh-huh. implying that she has died before, I think is is what the scene was trying to get across and kind of didn't. Yeah. Um, and it turns from here to, you know, they're back in the present-day classroom, and it's Reiko and Yamamoto talking to each other again, and they start talking about how um, they think Tomie is something close to, like, a planaria that can be cut up as many times as you want, and it's still going to reform, you know, a new Tomie. So you can divide her over and over and over again and spread her out wherever, and she's going to continue to, you know, break down entire classes. Um, and then it cuts yeah, back then... to... Um, the class kind of losing their shit over the situation and teacher comes in and is like, okay, here's how it's going to go. Yamamoto isn't going to turn himself in. We're just going to divide up the body and we're each going to take a chunk of it and dispose it. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like the scene of them taking apart the body? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know that there's, it was just very Weird. Everyone is very happy about the body parts that they are pulling from the body. This is another thing that's, like, way more effective in the comics than it is yeah. here. Yeah. But everybody sure is thrilled at, like, the beauty of the inside of her body. So there, there's, yeah. like... That, that, that really didn't get... Like, I, I guess that kind of makes sense if you think about uh-huh. it. But, like, 
in the moment, it definitely felt more like, wow, body parts, this rules. And not like, oh my god, I'm still even horny for her, like, for her spleen or what the fuck ever. Uh-huh. They, they sure do take advantage of, like, buying beef heart at the supermarket and using it as a prop. Like, they're, yeah, they, they hold totally. up these, like, you know, vague lumps of meat. Yeah. It's weird. Um, but... Yeah, but then uh, every uh, Reiko is like, oh, I don't want to participate in this. And then like the next day, Tomie shows up in classes, and everyone's like, Hi, don't act like I'm a don't don't be so surprised. You act like you've seen a ghost. And then everyone starts freaking out. And then like we hear a monologue that says like four people died by suicide that year, and everyone else is just kind of like, All right, let's just not talk about this ever again. Yeah, everybody else either like died somehow or went crazy forever, and you know. This this is another thing that's just way more way scarier in the comic is like the whole point is she took all these these thirty eight like perfectly normal people and just dissolved them in a month. Yeah. Just through the sheer presence of her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. And then we go back to the present. Yeah, we go back to the present, and. Um, Reiko tells Yamamoto that she still has the piece of Tomie that she had to take. Um, she had her mm-hmm. heart. And yeah. she decided to freeze the heart and then bring it there with her in her purse. And then her intent was to bury it at school. But then she remembered, oh, wait, that'll just let another Tomie reform. Yeah. And as soon as Yamamoto knows that there's a Tomie, um, he kills Reiko and takes the heart out of her bag and just kind of fucks off like that's the last we yeah. see of him yeah and then but then uh Reiko wakes up and it's and she's like surprise I'm actually Tomie and this is the first ending of the movie this is where you think yes. it's over right yep uh-huh and then she walks to the window it, it, and then she walks to the window and then the professor uh, her, her before teacher before that shows up before that like, when she walks to the window she gives this whole speech about how men are stupid and she's going yes, to spread yes, herself yes. across the nation um, mm-hmm. and then a real t- a real t- a real Tomie apple scene uh-huh t- that works better on paper before because no I get it read it on paper. <laughs> If you read it on paper, you might mis- mentally mispronounce it as, like, Tommy Appleseed uh-huh. as opposed to Johnny Appleseed. I believe you. Um, but, yeah, she just has this whole speech about how men are stupid, and then, like, that's the, fir- that's the first time the movie ends. And then her throat gets cut, and there's just, like, blood spraying because the sen- because her teacher shows up, and He's like, just at the window all of a sudden. There's a, there's a man in raggedy clothing, and all of a sudden yeah. somebody stabs her. He has her. a sword. Uh-huh. You know how you wait around for um, however many years it's been, and you're just waiting to kill somebody with a sword? Yeah. I mean, who hasn't been there? Yeah, of course. So, Tomie's, like, bleeding out on the desk, and he's, like, continuing to stab her. The scene takes way longer than it needed to. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, my work here is done. And then he leaves. Well, he he tears out her heart. And yes, heart two. Thing. Yes, heart yeah. two. So now we can count. There's the primary Tomie, there's, there's the reformed Tomie, there's the first heart Tomie, and now there's a there's another heart Tomie as well as all of the Tomies created by dividing her body to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. And like he he is 
somehow aware that she's going to regenerate from these body parts. So, like, his intent is to go and purposely spread her over the country. Yeah. For some reason. For some reason. Yeah. And then, um, Rei Kotomie is sprawled out on the desk with her heart cut out. And then she's alive again and she gives the exact same speech she just gave at the window. Yep, and it's ending number two. Except this time she says, this world is raw fear! And then it, like, cuts to black. And that's where you think the movie is supposed to end for realsies this time. Uh Except it's not. It's not over yet. Yeah, because we get one more scene. Is it, uh, who's, who's got her head? It's Yamamoto. Yes, right, thank you. Yamamoto has, or it's the heart. He has a heart. Yes, the he heart. has her heart in like a plastic bag and he's carrying it with him away from mm-hmm. this scene and he looks inside the bag and there's her eye with the the characteristic beauty mark staring up at him and then that's the real end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So That's the end of the movie. That was the film. Yep. I we took almost as long describing it as the movie was. It say what you will about how this movie is cut. At least they didn't make us sit for it longer. Yeah. Um. On a scale of zero to five. Um. On a scale of zero to five. Uh. Rubber beetle or on a scale of zero to five rubber cockroaches. How many rubber cockroaches are you gonna give this movie? I give this movie. I'm gonna give it. Uh, two and a half to three, if we're being generous. Um. If we're like on a scale of one to five, because like yeah. this is a this is a different plot than the Tomie that I know. Like the Tomie that yeah. I know is a kind of it's more or less about the about the horror of being Tomie as well as the people who are like hurt by her mere existence. Like the mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at the omnibus of these comics right now. Um, there's a lot more stories that kind of convince you that. While Tomie clearly enjoys the power that she wields, she's also aware that she's going to have to keep reliving these super painful situations over and over and over again just by, you know, the that's what she exists to do. And um, young, like, assigned female at birth me was really um, kind of enraptured with the story of someone who lives with this really toxic relationship with her own like femininity and beauty and finds power and like horror through it it it, it mm-hmm. meant a lot to me just for those reasons and um you know this film doesn't quite get that across but as a as a singular experience if you're not going in expecting what you're going to get out of the comics it's it's not bad like there there's moments that are kind of fun like i think yeah, it's for the first. I think overall it comes to around like two rubber roaches yeah. for me. Um, like I think the first half is a lot better than the last half, and the last half is just kind of like descends into I don't even really know. Yeah, I really wish they would have leaned a little harder if they were going to even bother including it at all into the nature of Reiko's relationship with Tomie and what that means um, yeah. with. The way that her thrall works because like it kind of implies that Tomie has this like universal control over men specifically and you know then there's this there's you know this 
women loving women kind of thing going on and um it's it's kind of clear that Reiko's fascination with Tomie is completely unlike the thrall that she has on men specifically and it would have been a lot more interesting to explore that if they were going to even bother with it mm-hmm. yeah no I agree uh you want to get into questions sure let's get to questions uh at mogu blue wants to know what are your favorite junji ito references or stories amigara fault still gives me nightmares i'm not as well versed uh, in junji ito as i kind of wish i was um i need to experience more because really all that i have read is amigara fault but that's all it does very much scare the shit out of me amigara fault is really good there's a reason that people keep bringing it up because it is really good um, a mm-hmm. lot of his short stories are where you can see, I think, some of the best of um, Junji's work. Um, he he had a new one come out recently, I think. Um, yeah, I feel like I heard about that. Yeah, but um, some of the some of the stories that I particularly enjoy, there, there's one. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's about this lady who just shows up at a house and she's like weirdly horny for this house, and it dissolves into her becoming one with the house and it's really like uncomfortable and really interesting. Um, I also, despite it being such a goofy premise, I really enjoyed Gyo. Um, it's about, you know, what happens basically if everything in the ocean came out of the ocean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, so he, he did something really interesting with that too. Yeah. Um, I uh I know this is not a I know this is not uh, only a a uh, a Tomie thing. I'm just looking at the uh, I'm looking at Junji Ito's Wikipedia page yeah. right now. Um, I know this is not just a Tomie thing, but I think it's very funny that Tomie had Tomie colon the final chapter the final chapter Forbidden Fruit, and then three years later we got Tomie beginning, and then Tomie Revenge, and then Tomie versus Tomie, and then Tomie Unlimited. Yeah, they did a lot of Tomie movies. They they got a lot out of it. I don't think. I don't even mean to say that Tomie is even some of Junji Ito's best work. It's just some of the work that, like, I was most interested in, you know, at a time. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I would Um, also recommend, like, Uzumaki is another good mm -hmm. baseline one. Um, He did his own Frankenstein recently. That was pretty good. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to go wrong. Yeah. Uh, so we want to get into recommendations and then get the heck out of here? Sure. Okay. Uh, do you have a recommendation? Oh, fuck. Um, can I go next? If you know, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. My recommendation this week is going to be... Oh, fuck. What am I going to recommend this week? Um, I mean, I've recommended a place further than the universe multiple times on this podcast, but I just finished rewatching it again last night, and, uh, it's really good still. Um, still made me cry. Uh, genuinely, I think might be my favorite anime of all time. It's really good and sweet. And I also got really mad today because I found out that there are only seven fanfic, seven works on archive of our own about it, which is really sad. Seriously? Yeah, seven. And like, no, like they're they're all like fine, but like only like four of them are about like the kid. But if there's someone. Write more. If, you, if anyone's listening, please write fanfiction. Write more fanfiction. Uh, what about you? So, um, 
since I was already talking about, you know, comics and manga, um, I'll recommend, recommend another manga. Um, it can be kind of hard to find, but if you can hunt it down, I think it's worth it. Um, I recently read a story called Pink by Kyoko Okazaki. Um, it's really interesting. It's about a girl who um, has a pet alligator and she does like sex work in the evenings to be able to afford to feed him, basically. And it's just kind of about like her self-examination as like a young adult sort of coming of age and it you know, it has some explicit scenes since it does, you know, involve sex work, but um, I just think it's kind of a charming story. It's a little sad, but it's like a very human story, so I would recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, Sue, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Anytime. This has been fun. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sue Makes Art. That's S U Makes Art. Um, you can also mm -hmm. find me on Tumblr. Uh, I'm at least five lizards. Um, I hang out the most in the H Henry Kissinger's Pokemon Going to Die Discord. And, uh, and to clarify, that is uh, at least five, like the digit five yes, lizards. at least five. At least five, not the word five yeah. lizards. Yeah, and um, I'm hoping to launch my new podcast soon. Uh, the name is tentative, but I'm thinking an open sketchbook. Um, I'm just mm. trying to bring... Uh, academic art back down to a human accessible level so i want to bring people on to talk about how they experience art in their everyday lives so nice. yeah that's me um i want to if you want to find us anywhere we are fear baiting everywhere and that includes patreon patreon.com fearbaiting if you would like to show support the show and get any bonus content and early access to the podcast one dollar a month gets you that five dollar a month gets you a short message if you're choosing and we get read your name ten dollars a month we read your name and you get to make us watch a movie uh so thank you to michael kaiser paul moran kit spindler paul bechtel and ducky id show we love you all very much um if you want to find no thank you first of all thank you to matt uh gamecube and the noise space.xyz network um thanks matt on which on, on, on which this and all all of the podcasts that i do are hosted I uh, also check out the Wonder Years, which is the Animorphs podcast that I do with Blair, this podcast's editor, and Seda, the person who is responsible for the intro and outro music. Thank you to both of them for their work on this podcast. If you want to find me, I am Sunhat Genya, S-U-N-H-A-T-Z-H-E-N-Y-A on Twitter and uh, on Twitch. And um, I think that's everything. I think so, that's it. Uh, until next week, uh, I've been Sarah. And I've been Sue. And remember... You can put a fucked up guy anywhere. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>